And we're back, and uh, we have a great show lined up tonight. We're a day behind. The show got postponed from yesterday so that we could get more research and work done. Uh, tonight's episode is on Baron von Sabatendorf, titled The Curious Tale of Baron von Sabatendorf. And uh, so it's going to be uh, some good information, tying a lot of missing pieces together between, oh, Islam, the Nazis, Sabbateanism, all sorts of stuff, I think. Right. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes. It's what one man that makes a, a whole bunch of very curious connections. <laughs> And uh, really, you know, where he shouldn't be, and uh, von Sabatendorf was an occultist. He was an intelligence agent. He was, uh, later in life, he converted to Islam. He was a member of the Thule Society, which was at the foundation of the creation of the Nazi Party or the German Workers, uh, Germ German Socialist Workers Party, or however you... Uh, call it here. I had it up a, a bit ago. But uh, anyway, the guy's pretty important, and uh, things are really going to be tied together tonight. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was just looking up the full, I, I posted it to uh, Facebook earlier today, the full, full title of the Nazi Party, and now I've forgotten what it is. So it's the National Socialist German Workers Party. So they were very leftist. They aren't, you know, it's not like everybody today thinks capitalists and and right wing is Nazis. That's actually not true. It was a leftist organization, and uh, just like the KKK was a leftist organization, uh, which is, uh, and, and we see all of the hate speech and the intolerance promoted by the left today. They hate men, hate Christians, hate. Uh, anybody who's not like them, essentially. And so we see this rampant intolerance uh, spread today by leftists, just like we did uh, by the German National Socialist Workers' Party. But uh, anyway, Todd, it's been, uh, what, about a month since you were on? Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back on, Jan. Uh, I uh, had to come back on and... Uh fulfill my promises of uh, re making these connections um, back to Islam and, and uh, Babylon and all the rest of it. If you've watched any of the rest of the shows, you, or if you haven't, you should. Uh, so go check it out. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about Baron von Sabatendorf. And he is a very strange fellow. And uh, he makes a lot of connections, especially um, with Nazi Germany and uh, and Islam. And we can see that that the the occult influences of Islam are more prevalent than we first had imagined. So as I like to do, I like to do a lot of reading. So I, I just I want to give you a little, I don't know, page or two here of of Baron von Sabatendorf and his history. Um, so it, the first mystery of Baron von Sabatendorf's life lies in the fact that he was not born a Baron, nor was his name Sabatendorf. He obtained the name and title later in life. He was born Adam Alfred Rudolf Glauer in 
Poiswerda near Dresden on November 9, 1875. His father was a locomotive driver and veteran of the Prussian Army who fought in the Austro-Prussian Campaign of 1866 and the Franco-Prussian War of 1871. Rudolf's father died in 1893, leaving enough money for his son to finish his formal education. Glauer began training as a mechanical engineer, but never finished his studies. Instead, he lived a life of adventure in exotic locales and on the high seas until 1900. In Australia, after attempting to prospect for gold, he received a letter of introduction from a Parsi, which is a Zoroastrian, to a wealthy Turkish landowner, Hussein Pasha. He managed an estate at Bursa for this landowner, who was a practitioner of Sufism. He was also introduced there to the Termudi family, the patriarch of this Jewish family originally from Greece, was a student of the Kabbalah and Rosicrucianism. Uh, so <clears throat> in my previous episodes uh, that I have done with Jan, we were talking about uh, Jews who um, had converted to Islam uh, under the uh, following Shabtai's fee. Right. So here we are in around 1900, and when this happened was in 1666. So here we are nearly 300 years later and uh, we're finding wealthy uh, Jewish people in Turkey who are also connected to Sufism. So this, this solidifies the connection that I had made previously to um, Shabtai Sfi joining the Bektashi. So here we are having having Jewish family uh, in Turkey associated with Sufism. Although, of course, they say it's Kabbalah and Rosicrucianism, but we'll get to that later. Glauer, or Baron von Spotnorf, was initiated into a Freemasonic lodge of which the Termudis were members. He remained, so the Termudis were that Jewish family. He remained in Turkey, learned Turkish, and studied occultism until 1902. Then he returned to Germany. But around 1908, some legal misadventures in Germany caused him to return to Turkey. So th this guy, <laughs> we're gonna, this guy is a weird guy. And, and he was arrested in Munich in 1933. Right. He gets, he gets arrested later because, well, we'll get to that. All right. But, but yeah, basically he came back to, to prove that he really is the originator of the Nazis, and then Hitler wouldn't have anything to do with it, so kicked him out of the country. Anyway, all right, where were we here? Uh, okay, the the next two years from 1902. So the next two the next two years from 1902 were pivotal pivotal for the adventurer. In 1910, he founded a mystical lodge in Constantinople, which is a terrier a top. I don't know how to pronounce this, but a tariqat of the Bektashi order of Sufis. The next year, he is legally adopted by the German expatriate Heinrich von Sabatendorf and also becomes a legal citizen of Turkey. This adoption was later repeated twice more by other Sabatendorf family members. 
all of which indicates just how important the acquisition of this noble title was to him. All right. So he's just a common dude, but he winds up in Turkey uh, with working for a rich Sufi who then introduces him to um, Shabtai Sfi Jews who then initiate him into a Masonic lodge, who then introduce him to an expatriate from Germany who's also in Turkey, just like he is, and he gets adopted into royalty. Now, the reason why this was so important to him is something that we'll probably have to go into in a later show, but it, if you have the stomach for... Uh, some some pretty wild theories than um the central intelligence agency uh youtube channel that jan put me on to has some pretty neat bombshells in it i the guy is homeless and maybe sometimes he he has little homeless rants that aren't very educational but he goes to some very in, instructive places and will help you understand uh historical places and and things yeah you know and and somebody a couple of weeks ago on the show had told me his name i always forget the guy's name but uh i wonder i wonder if i have a link i i think i have a link on my desktop here if i can find it i will post it his channel up on the uh uh screen yeah but just and and just be warned it's it, it it is a homeless guy but it's a very it's a very smart homeless guy, and uh, he can he can uh, give you some clues. Uh, I hope to do another show where I I kind of meld some of his research with uh, mine, and uh, it's <laughs> it's pretty it has some pretty intriguing uh, endpoints as well. All right, well keep going on here. I'm so, looking for his channel right now, so I'll show it here. It should be here somewhere on my subscriptions it's kind of hard to find because when you type in central intelligence agency you get everything but his channel of course and uh i'm sure google and uh, youtube's algorithms don't want his stuff really uh you know exposed no they don't because he you know he's a traveling man a homeless traveling man and he goes to some really intriguing uh, historical places and you can see some very intriguing symbology there at those places uh as well and you know a lot of the stuff that he rambles on about i've looked up in the books and you know he's right some of it i can't prove but some of it's pretty good all right back back to sabatendorf sure so it was in the midst of the first, oh, no, no. During the Balkan War of 1912 to 1913, he was on duty with the Red Crescent, the Islamic version of the Red Cross. He was actually wounded in battle and for a time a POW. After this, he returned once more to Europe and lived in Berlin and Austria. It was in the midst of the First World War, 1914 to 1918, that Sabatendorf joined the Germanen Order, or the GO, at first by correspondence only. In September of 1916, he personally visited Hermann Pohl, who was the head of the order in Berlin. 
Subsequently, Sabatendorf was elected master of the Bavarian province of the order and became the publisher of the Geo publications. I'm going to so, link his uh, channel in the chat for people to help them find it here. Just uh, FYI, that's the Central Intelligence Agency channel. All right. There we go. There's his channel in the links there, folks. Go ahead. Sorry. So as, as I had mentioned before, this Sabatendorf fellow, I, I was I was wrong. It wasn't actually, I mean, the Jew, the Jewish family initiated him into the Bektashi Sufi Lodge. So, but he wasn't, and he was, a, but he wasn't adopted by the Jewish family. So he wasn't technically Jewish. He was still German. So that was a mistake that I made in my, my previous uh, presentation that I'd like to correct. So he wasn't actually Jewish. Uh, he was just actually well, you know, the, these days, anyone who, you know, uh, exposes anything truth wise is accused of being a, a Jew anyway. So, you know, I get accused of being a Jew and I'm Danish and Welsh. <laughs> right. And Christian. So. Um, and I, right now I'm reading from. Um, the Sufi practices of uh, Freemasonry right now. So, and that's great. And we had, we had found this uh, in this book a couple of months ago. I had read a quote from it uh, from uh, Robert Graves, who is a teacher at uh, Oxford working with uh, Robert Gordon Wasson, who is one of the key founders of the CIA's MKUltra project. And uh, we had read a quote. Let me just go back to it really quickly here, just to kind of set the stage uh, for those of you who may have missed it. The Sufis are an ancient spiritual Freemasonry. Indeed, Freemasonry itself began as a Sufi society. So it's not a Jewish society. It's an Islamic Sufi society. It first reached England in the reign of King Athelstan in 924 to 939 and was introduced into Scotland disguised as a craft guild at the beginning of the 14th century, doubtless by the Knights Templars. Its reformation in early 18th century London by a group of Protestant sages who mistook its Saracen terms for Hebrew has obscured many of its early traditions. So that's how it got confused, how the Freemasons got confused as a Jewish rather than Islamic order. Part of why. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it could be. So what, what, I just wanted to say that the, the book I'm reading from here is uh, Secret Practices of the Sufi Freemasons, the Islamic Teachings at the Heart of Alchemy. So that, that is the name of this book that I'm reading from here, folks. So, I mean, if, if you're into that whole alchemy thing, then you need to understand that it's Islamic. Yeah. Oh, you know what? And before you go on, I just want to say my channel has been demonetized. Uh, I'm going to be posting the link to subscribe. And please also, you know, it's there under the show description, but please uh, subscribe to the channel, help donate uh, either through the, the Logos Media website or on Patreon. Uh, I'm not getting any uh, funding through the channel anymore. No more super chats or anything like that. Maybe in a few weeks I'll get it back on. But they use trumped up excuses that uh, I have too much unoriginal material on my channel. That was the best they could come up with. Anyway, go ahead, Todd. 
Uh, well, yeah, please support the show, folks. Um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I, I've been here since the beginning uh, watching Jan, and uh, he's been a, a real help to me. Uh, he introduced the Trivium to me. Uh, it was it was it helped me get away from the whole uh, Gnostic drug taking track. So come on, like <sighs> me so, too. I mean, you know, the a damn little, show used to be bit, called whatever you can do. The Gnostic, the show used to be called Gnostic Media. So guilty is charged here as well. You know. And it's yeah. like, you know, you read the Bible and you go, oh, I get it now, you know, and it's just, you know, you look around and you see all the degradation and inequity going on. And it's like, oh, I get it. You know, I just had to grow up first to really understand the Bible and what all this crap really is. So, well, that's, that's an interesting word you use, the inequity, right? Well, the, the, the mystery of I- iniquity, that's what it means, the mystery of unequalness. So... What's that? Gnosticism? Well, no, that's that's from your Bible. It's called the mystery of iniquity, right? Yeah. And that and iniquity, the definition means unequalness. So that's why we have these men who consider themselves perfectible and they lord themselves over us. It doesn't matter what race or creed or religion you're from, if you've got uh, a feeling of in equalness as in i'm superior right yeah 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 you know what i mean yeah and then and then the uh those and then we have all of those special needs groups that get special rights against everyone never mind that we all start out with the same equal right. and inalienable rights That's uh right. under the constitution and then those people need to uh you know have special rights you know and it's like uh you know, it's like, wow, man, you know, freaking ridiculous. Well, yep. The, the mystery of iniquity. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to it. So, so we were talking about how Baron, bon, Baron von Sabatendorf, it's kind of a, a tongue twister of a name. Uh, he joined the Germanic order and was basically put in charge of their publication. So like, let's read into that. What he was really made was the, the head minister of propaganda. Let's read into that. He was in charge of their publications, which, which means Baron von Sabatendorf is now the, the head guy for propaganda. Okay. And this is, this is after uh, World War, no, in the middle of World War I that he does this. All right. So the true nature and scope of the Germanic order remains shadowy. Ostensibly, it was formed as a sort of mystical lodge within the more politically oriented Reichshammerbund Imperial Hammer League, uh, period. The mastermind behind these groups was the notorious anti-Semite Theodore Fritsch. Fritsch was instrumental in the invention of a biologically based anti-Semitism to appeal to those who had become disenchanted with the mass appeal of the age-old religious-based anti-Semitism with its origins in the medieval church. The GO was essentially a pseudo-Masonic order with ritual based on Wagnerian imagery. All right, now that's a very important paragraph right there, folks. You see, we were talking about that in the last episode. This idea of a Jewishness as a race is actually invented by anti-Semites. It's not even invented by, by Jews. All right? 
So, and then that idea of a racial Jew was carried on by the the Shabtai Sfi followers. The the those. Oh man, <laughs> the name for him is escaping me. What's the name of them? Sabbateans. Uh, yeah, but that that group that was in Turkey. Oh crap. Oh well, never mind. They're ba- yeah, Sabbateans. That's what you said, Sabbateans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Sabbateans. So the Sab- so the Sabbateans are the ones who latched on to this idea of Jews being a race. And those Sabbatean Jews are Jews who converted to Islam, right? And so the idea of a, of a David Jew says race, Sabbatean Frankists. Right, right, right. Very good. Yes. Well done. That's true. You can't because Frank is the second coming of Shabtai Sfi. Very good. All right. So so this idea of of see what what Jewish people race, don't what people don't get is that the Sabbateans are Jews who converted to Islam in 1666, 666. So they they <laughs> they followed uh, Zevi into Islam, and then what they did was they started doing all of these things against normal Jews to get them blamed for the Sabbatean behavior. And, you know, a lot of atheist, quote-unquote, uh, Jews do that as well. But, you know, it's they they commit the, many of the things as well as the atheists that, uh, and they're not, what, oh, wait, they're, oh, they're yeah. not even, hold on, they're not even the offspring of Shem. They're not true Semites. They are... You know, and when uh, not next week, but week after next, we're going to have Dr. David Seaman back to, you know, lay out a whole other history. But, uh, you know, so once people get that, like the Ashkenazim, they're not even Jewish. They are Europeans. They're the they are Gomorites. They're they're Japheth. They're from Japheth. Well, they're they're technically they're Gomorites like the Europeans, but they're not. They're not the children of Shem, so they're technically they're no. not real Jews. It's like True. Revelation 3.9 says, those who claim they are Jews and are not, but do lie and are of the synagogue of Satan. So there are right. whole groups of people out there who claim to be Jews who are not. And so what happens is these people, many of them, some of them are dupes, obviously, but many of them, they are doing the things that true Jews get blamed for. And, uh, you know, a lot of people confuse who are Jews, you know, first you have to sit down and read the Bible to even understand who the Jews are. And a Jew would be a Shemite who follows the Old Testament. And then, you know, their law books would be the Talmud, the Mishnah, etc. And so, you know, it's not, you know, like the Ashkenazim, the, the Khazars were an Islamic group who converted to Judaism. So technically those are crypto islamists if you want to you know a lot of uh-huh. you know uh-huh. so that opens uh, up that's a, a good point All that right, opens up yeah. a whole other yeah. you know can yeah. of worms so they would be crypto islamists so the sabbateans you know they go in and they they go in and convert to islam and then start using the dark islamic magic against the jews and then the khazars were islamists who converted into judaism so people really need to start figuring out you know what these things, what these people are reading the Bible, following the history in there, because it does lay out who the Shemites are, who the Gomorites are, who all of these different groups are. And once you start seeing this picture, 
you can, you know, begin to understand, oh, wait a second, we're not even pointing the finger at the correct enemy. Everybody's just out there saying ju, 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 and not even, you know, getting the, the bigger picture here. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I, I honestly believe that um, the Ashkenazi going back to um, Israel and reconquering the land is prophesied about in Ezekiel 21. See, see what they want, so. what people want to... to what what people like David in the chant want everybody to believe is Sabbatai Zevi converted to Islam and co-opted Islam. No, they're saying, <laughs> no. you know, go and read the books. It, you know, um, you're you're getting things backward when you get what the Islamic books say on their own by reading them. You'll realize that you know that that is what is going on. And somebody else uh, can't make sense of the Bible. The Bible doesn't provide history as to how the Jewish elite. See, he does, see what they do is they say the Jews, the Jewish elite. They don't even get that they're not Jews. If they're not following the Old Testament, they're not even Jews. Are they atheists? Are they Sabbateans? What do you mean by Jews? I mean, you have to utero. You have to. Use your brain, you know, and you have to read the Bible to understand who the real Jews are. So either get on topic or you're going to get, you know, banned. I'm tired of dealing with uh, people who don't even crack a book to try to understand things. Yeah, literally, guys, if you saw it on a if you saw it on a YouTube video and someone just like put a bunch of wall of text in front of you and you didn't do any of your own study at all, then like, please shut up. Yeah, you know, he, he's he's saying, you know. If you were presented with conversion to Islam or death, what would you choose? Well, obviously, that's not what Sabbatai Zevi did. He considered himself a messiah, and him and his group of dark Satanist occultists converted to Islam. And then a lot of them went woke up and went back, you know, uh, to the Old Testament. So, you know, you gotta you gotta read the books to figure things out. But otherwise, Nearly just be quiet all in the chat. Of them. Nearly all of them went back to Torah-believing Jews, normal Torah-believing Jews. Nearly all of them, okay, right. guys? Nearly all. And Because, you know, once I, you— as, as a New Testament believer, I, like, I don't even believe that them following that laws is doing them much good anymore, okay, guys? Like, I don't believe as they believe, but, but they're, not, they're not the root cause of all evil on the planet, Okay. Well, Literally, you know, they, they, see, you know, oh, well, hey, you know, usury banking, they came, that came from them and everything. Yep. And, you know, the USS Liberty and, you know, the, the media and this and that. And it's like, okay, you know, they have a whole list of talking points that they run down and then they beat the talking points to death and they don't think anything beyond the talking what? points and that's right right no, well, let's let's focus on the, those talking points real quick you know, all right let's, go for let's, it let's let's beat it into their head you're using the same talking points as, as islam islam as the kkk as the nazis okay guys you, your your rhetoric and your logic and your sources are all from that scheme of things and <laughs> and the freemasons for that matter sufi Right. Well, so, well, we'll get into this. That This Baron von Sabatendorf thinks that the Constitution of 1717 of the Freemasons 
which you can't find because all constitutions of the Freemasons are absolute secrets, right? We tried to find it, Jan, and it, it said in, the, in your uh, Freemason dictionary behind you there that uh, <laughs> the Constitution is a secret and you can't. You know, yeah, and, so, the, and that, was, that was about, you know, how far did we get about right there, right, when we looked it up? <laughs> right, right. So this, this is what I'm saying is that what Baron von Sabotendorf says is that the 1717 Constitution is is a fallacy, and it was done on purpose. And and what that was 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 making Freemason Freemasonry Jewish in nature. Uh, with, and, and it was actually an Islamic organization. But yeah, you know, and I just read how they co-opted it and made people think that it was a Jewish or Hebrew organization right. through misunderstanding. You know, exactly. So they, there's they always this misdirection. It it, yeah, it's always this misdirection. It's a scapegoat. You know, they're the easy scapegoat so that you don't think any more deeply into things, you know. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to read a let me read the quote right now. Yeah, we should get back on topic here, too. Yeah. Yeah. So let me just let me read this quote for you here real, real quick. So. So this I'm going to give you a quote. I'm going to give you a quote from, from uh, the 68th Convocation of the Rosy Cross Order, which is the Rosicrucians. And this is a book from 1916. Um, in explanation of the contents of this book, it is to be stated that these articles do not give the inner work of the Rose Cross Order, but simply the outer, the public teachings. And then it says again, the work of the Rose Cross Order as given to its students can never be published. It is a secret, sacred work between teacher and student. And then later on, <clears throat> it goes on to explain in this book that uh, it's the Freemasons and the Jews who gathered together along with everyone else. Okay, so they named the Jew <laughs> and they just got done telling you that if they name anybody, then they didn't tell you the truth. So <laughs> when are you people going to get it? It's well, you know, everybody's so busy chasing after the scapegoat. They can't see that, you know, that they're chasing, you know, chasing it's, after the scapegoat. You know, that's the devil's trick. What's the what's the goat a symbol of Satanism? So, you know, they got you chasing the scapegoat. It's a deception. So, you know, we did what, seven, eight episodes with Lloyd. This is the third one with you trying to expose all of this and nobody and i hope people are starting to wake up but nobody bothers to crack open the quran or the hadith or the sharia books and read them themselves or open the talmud and i'm going to finish this uh you know i found more of these talmud quotes to go through and you can see the exact same pattern of how they quote one line and take the whole thing out of context there'll be like 10 pages of discussion on one topic and they quote one line and then say that that's, you know, the Talmud is the most evil book in the world. And once you get the trick of how these people misrepresent the Talmud and everything, the Talmud is literally a law book. Like if you went to Harvard, if you were going to Harvard, you know, Kennedy Law right. School at Harvard, right. and you pulled off a series of law books off the shelves and you started studying them, that's what the Talmud is. And so, you know, what they'll do is they'll take one little single line out of there and then omit, you know, 10 pages of discussion and, uh, you know, and then claim, well, that's what it means. And about a third... And all of, the corresponding footnotes where it right. tells you to go look right. this up in and, the Torah, and about a third, 
And about a third of the quotes are entirely made up, and then about two-thirds are taken out of context. And so far, mathematically speaking, 1.6% of the quotes I've verified have been true, and 98.4% have been false, uh, fabricated, or taken out of context. And so, you know, the project ended up being much larger than uh, originally expected. And then what I started doing is one day I was sitting here going through all these texts and I said, I wonder if I go through and I compare, if take all these quotes and search them through the Islamic texts, will I find them there? Since I only found 1.6% in the Jewish texts, would I find them in Islam? And it took me two days to verify 75% of them in Islam and it took me two and a half months to verify one in the Jewish text out of all of them that I checked. You know, I've right. checked about 60 or 70 so far. Only one panned out. And it took me two days to verify 75% in Islam. You know, so it is possible to, you know, read these books yourselves, understand what they say in context. And these, you know, you'll have all these people out there lying that, uh, well, you know, you can't read the real Jewish Talmud. It's all watered down. Well, the quotes are there, the single line, but you have to read the surrounding text. So they're not, it's not redacted, you know. You can find these things. You, you just got to use your brains and read the whole discussion in context, the whole legal discussion in context, and not just the one-liner paragraph and go, see Jan Urban's line, he's a, a Jew shill Ages, secret agent FBI. I mean, it's like I sent some of these people the actual uh, citations to check everything, and then they accuse me of being an FBI agent and whatnot and creating some Hegelian dialectic because they're literally too stupid to check the citations and click the links. Like the links were right there to click on it and actually read it in the Talmud. So, you know, I can only feel sorry for these people that, you know, they don't have the the, the intellectual capacity to study either that or they just have seriously dark agendas and are intentionally lying. You know, it's like they go to Trump rallies and scream, Jew, 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 et cetera. And you got to, you know, think that they're too invested in, uh, you know, in their hate narrative to even consider that, you know, the stuff that they're putting out there is wrong. And, you know, it's like as soon as you check the citations, it's, you know, it doesn't pan out. Go ahead, Todd. I'm going to stop my rant here. And we got to get back on topic, too. All right. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I agree with you. It's, just, you know, when you get an idea that makes you feel like you're part of a crew, then, you know, it makes you feel good. Anyway. So, let's see. All right. Yeah. We were uh, talking about, so he's taken over for the, uh, the, 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 the propaganda order of the Germanic order. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it is now pumping out this idea from Theodore Fritsch of the, the racial identity of a Jew and how it is by their nature that they're just wickedly evil. And so this Baron von Stabatendorf is printing out newspapers as fast as he can, uh, pumping out this Theodore Fritsch filth uh, about racism. So as 1918 was drawing to a close, the fortunes of war and politics had turned against the Germans. 
The Great War was being lost, and in Munich, left-wing revolutionaries were clamoring for political power. Inspired by recent success in the Russian Revolution in 1917, the name of the Thule Society was adopted by the Germanic order as a cover identity. The society met weekly in rented rooms at the Hotel whatever the Four Seasons in Munich, but it began to take on a life and identity of its own under Sabatendorf's leadership. Occult topics were the subjects of lectures given by the Baron, this in the midst of open revolution in the streets of Munich. Sabatendorf only led the Thule Society from April 1918 to July 1919. So <clears throat> he, he initiated the switch from the Germanic order into the Thule Society. And he, so the Thule Society is like a cover for the older Germanic order that existed before World War I. So, but so the Germanic order now gives Sabatendorf leadership of their cover identity. Now, it's a little, it's a little bit, it's kind of hard to figure out. Like, is Sabatendorf really the mastermind, or is he just following orders? It's it's really kind of hard to know. So, anyway. Uh, during this time, he formed a militia to fight the communists, was instrumental in the formation of the German Workers' Party, which Jan was referencing earlier, and acquired a newspaper, the Milnik Beobachter, or Munich Observer. In April of 1919, communists seized power in Bavaria. In this process, they took seven members of the Thule Society hostage and subsequently executed them. This atrocity became a rallying point for the right-wing militias. The militias were eventually successful in turning back the left-wing revolution. The German Workers' Party was soon thereafter reformed by charismatic leader Adolf Hitler into the National Socialist German Workers' Party, called Nazis by their detractors. The newspaper was bought by that party and transformed into its mouthpiece, Der Volkisch Beobachter, the Nationalist Observer. So notice again, notice again that, that this Baron von Sabatendorf is really heavily involved in the newspaper business, in propaganda, in print, uh, in, 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 well, for lack of a better term, he, he, he is a magician, like <laughs> Owen Benjamin always likes to talk about, uh, the wizards of words. So he's a wizard of words here, this guy. Terrence McKenna style there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. If well, you make of the word, if if you know the words the world is made of, you can make of it what you wish. You know, <laughs> and, well, and and, and say see, that to the sound of a dendry do. Terrence McKenna, one of the dark occultists of our age. <laughs> it's funny. I play the didgeridoo. <laughs> I used to have one. I I got rid of it. I, you sat in the corner for like ten years and wasn't used. Uh, back, I, can circular, I can circular breathe and everything. All right. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Obviously, all of these facts point to Sabatendorf's deep involvement with what was to become the Nazi movement 
in post-World War I Germany. It also seems clear that Sabatendorf and others were guided and financed in their efforts. What is less certain is how much these men were engineers of these efforts and how much they were pawns. The chronology of Sabatendorf's life shows that he was mostly involved in personal adventure and spiritual or magical pursuits. With a short active career from 1916 to 1919 as a political operative under the cover of occult organizations. After he left Munich in July of 1919, he returned to esoteric studies and writing. For 15 years, he continued in his esoteric pursuits, and it is during this period that he wrote and published most of his major works, including The Secret Practices of the Sufi Freemasons. Astoundingly, Sabatendorf returned to Germany after Hitler took power in 1933, tried to revive the Thule Society, and published a book, which seemed to try to take credit for getting the National Socialist Movement started from within the Thule Society. The book was entitled Before Hitler Kam, Before Hitler Came. The Nazis were not pleased. Sabatendorf was arrested twice. The book was banned, confiscated, and destroyed in 1934. He returned to Turkey. This whole adventure appeared to be simply an attempt to cash in on the success of the Nazis, an attempt that failed. Or perhaps it did not fail entirely. The post-1934 life of the Baron is quite mysterious. He was put on the payroll of the German intelligence service in Istanbul. His handler was Herbert Rittlinger. Turkey had been an ally of Germany in World War I, but in World War II, it remained neutral until the very end of the war when it joined the Allied side. In 1944, the German embassy was closed in Turkey and Sabatendorf was given his severance pay of one year's support. On May 8th, 1945, Germany surrendered unconditionally. Sabatendorf died that same day. Some controversy surrounds the death of Sabatendorf. Uh, the usual story is that he committed suicide by jumping off a bridge in Istanbul right after hearing of Germany's surrender. If this is true, it was probably more out of the desperation of a man with no prospects for the future than out of any loyalty to the Nazis. On the other hand, possibility exists that he was assassinated either by loyal Nazis who wanted to keep him quiet or by their enemies who took a final measure of revenge. So this is the very curious tale of Baron von Sabatendorf. And um, he has written some very interesting books. And uh, this, this was... Um, what I've just got done reading for you was um, basically an introduction to the author of what we're going to now actually read from the hand of Baron von Spondorf himself. So, um, so what we have to what we have to notice here is is that what we have is a German expatriate who happens to be very proud of being German, who ends up meeting another German expatriate, but this German expatriate happens to be royalty. 
and is adopted into their royal family. Now this family exists in Turkey and is associated with Sabbatean Jews and Bektashi Sufis. Now we also have to remember that Baron von Sabatendorf creates a school of Bektashi Sufis in Constantinople. Now Constantinople is a very important place in um, Islamic eschatology. Eschatology meaning the study of the end times. So Constantinople is an important place in Islam. And this guy, this, this random peasant dude from Germany manages to work, him way, work his way into royalty and then be so entrusted by the, the most, at the time, the most powerful occult school of Islamists to start a school. He gets their blessing. Uh, now, that should be a clue to you that this guy's in like neck deep with these people. And from there, after he, after he does that, he goes to Germany and gets himself involved in their occult groups and starts teaching, right? Because that's what he said he was, he was doing. He was there in the middle of revolutions, but he's teaching them about occult sciences. Well, where did he learn his occult sciences from? He learned them from the Sabbateans and Bektashi Sufis. So what do you think he was teaching those, those German occult societies? Well, anyway, we're going to get into what he is teaching these people. So now we're going to, now we're going to talk about the book, uh, and this book was written in a very interesting time, which is about the 1916 and, you know, 1920 uh, uh, era, which is also where the book I read from earlier about the Rosy Cross, uh, the Rosy Cross Order, when they published their book that I quoted from is from the same, near the same time as this. So this is from Baron von Sabotendorf, and he wants, and he's, his mission is to teach, to teach us how Freemasonry really is a creation of Islam. The West has always been of the belief that Islam is stagnant as a religion. Nothing is further from the truth. Islam is more viable than the Christian religion. It has proven its viability. The following explanation, exploration clearly shows us the wellspring of the power of Islam. It is up to us to make the wellspring useful to the Christian religion as well. It was living water from this wellspring that brought everything to fruition in the early period of the church and which produced the most glorious flowering of the Middle Ages. Only rationalism and materialism blocked this wellspring. <laughs> well, man. So this is this is like from the beginning of the book and like bombshells. If you're paying attention, those were bombshells. 
So it, it is, was the living water from this wellspring that brought everything to fruition in the early period of the church. So that, so this is where we go back to our Templar connection, okay? The Templars brought back occult teachings from their crusades. And I'm pretty sure that this is what he's talking about. I will not be committing any sacrilege or profanation if I reveal this wellspring. Whoever reads this, whoever reads through this book attentively and resolves to do the exercises shown here can in no way misuse the powers acquired for only the one who is upstanding, courageous, and determined will be able to persevere to the end and profit from the exercises. What, like he did jumping off a bridge? Anyway, by profit, I do not mean, of course, external success. That only makes its entrance when a person has become good in his very core. The exercises of the Oriental Freemasons are nothing other than work on oneself for ennobling and for the acquisition of higher knowledge. From the subsequent explanations, it will become clear that they contain the secret of the Rosicrucians and alchemists and demonstrate the preparation of the stone, which is what the seeker is longing for. All right. So right there off the bat, we're connecting Sufi Freemasonic practices or Islamic Freemasonic practices with the origination of Rosicrucianism and alchemy itself in general. Right. And. But hey, didn't you know that Karl Marx was Jewish, even though he was an atheist? And therefore, well, yeah, let, and, okay, okay. And therefore, you know, uh, everything that you say is invalid because, you know, people don't get that, you know, if somebody is an atheist, they're technically not Jewish. But anyway, we're going way over some of these people's heads. You know, go ahead whatever you know like he who has ears to hear let him hear i don't care about the rest so but notice the sabbatean right invert invert the torah so thou shalt have no other god before me well i guess i'll have no god so an atheist jew is man they're a good they're a good sabbatean (laughs) right yeah indeed (laughs) uh all right so, but, but now he's also you, making... if if you don't read the Old Testament though, then you don't know what a Jew really is, and then you can just make stupid comments all day, you know, and then everything anywhere in the world at any time is the fault of the Jews, no matter who it is, and then you know it doesn't matter if it's Islam or whatever. You just say, but Islam was infiltrated by the Jews, but these infiltrate everybody, everything in the world, all the time, everywhere, forever and ever is the fault of the Jews. I mean, and then you just don't even think any more than that. I mean, you know, it's, it's a sorry excuse for what these people call thinking. Well, let the dead bury their own dead. Well said. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, okay. So what, so he's admitting, so he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna release a secret now. Okay, so he's saying I, I don't I don't think it that he's going to create he's not going to commit any profane act by now releasing to us the secret that it is actually Islam 
who is the originator of Freemasonry, who is the originator uh, of basically all mystical practices. Because if you really look at it, it's a it's a full it's a full circle um, back to Babylon. So Babylon is is really the origination of these mystery schools. Oh, but and now you, but you mean the same place that enslaved the Jews and kept them captive, and so then right. Oh, so they were slaves there. So then, therefore, if you don't think, then you would say, well, they escaped, Jews escaped eventually. So then, therefore, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a really sad story that they're spinning. Because yeah, I it, mean, my head, thir- <laughs> my head hurts trying to follow through their, their logic, you know. But, Whatever. you know, we're, we're sellouts because we don't buy into it, you know. Oh, that's fine. That's good. That's good. All right. So he's, he's, he's going to let us know. He's letting us know the secret here. I said nothing other, but that is the highest, the most unique thing that the seeker for knowledge can strive after. And he's talking about the stone. So it's the alchemist, the philosopher's stone. He's talking about the philosopher's stone. Okay. I will not require faith in my words from the reader, reader, but rather I will prove my explanations. I will prove that Oriental Freemasonry authentically preserves to this day the ancient doctrines of wisdom which modern Freemasonry has forgotten. For it must be said here at the beginning that the Freemasonic Constitution of 1717 was a detour from the right way. Now, we alluded to this earlier. And I, I am firmly convinced that the, the 1717 Constitution uh, decided that Freemason, uh, Freemasonry was uh, a Jewish. Because Jacob and Boaz and Solomon's Temple, that, that whole motif is what they decided to use as their, their main symbology. And Baron von Zabottendorf is disagreeing with that. And, and see, again, again, you got to read 1 Kings 11. Because 1 Kings 11 tells you about Solomon. And it tells you about Solomon's judgment. And it tells you how the nation of Israel got split up in the first place. Right? Uh, because of Solomon, who married pharaoh's daughter and he built temples to remphan and temples to molech and temples to baal and he had child sacrifices done in the honor of his wives so that is from babylon right so now we're full circle again to babylon but they love to they love to to trot Solomon out there because he was the, the 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 main powerful Jew that they corrupted with their 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 Gnostic, pagan, satanic ideas, and and got him to go along with it. So the whole occult loves Solomon because he's the one that God was like, "Dude, you you messed up bad." So anyway. All right. So I just, 
you're going to keep reading here now from this is we're going to go uh, which, down which, in the in which the book page are you bit. on now in your notes here uh okay so if you look on this on the left hand side it's the secret practice uh secret practice of the super freemasons got it you click on that and i'm at number two got uh it. from below from following from the baron yep got All it right. go ahead and now go forth you little book the hour is auspicious I began this introduction on the 3rd of February, 1924, at 12.30 midday, at latitude 46A north at lo and longitude 9A east. So if anyone's good at longitude and latitude, I'd love to go <laughs> go look that up and figure out where it is. I, I, didn't, I tried to look it up on my, uh, my Google Earth, but I couldn't make it work. Righteously bring salvation to the multitude through true knowledge. Islam means submission. That is submission to the will of God. The believer can just commend himself to the will of God simply because it's the will of God. He feels secure and does not ask why. This is so or why. That is different. He fulfills the divine law simply because it is the revealed law of God. He accepts his fate as being immutable and at the most attempts by means of prayer to implore for the mercy from God when the burden becomes too great for him. But the sign of the true believer will consistently be that he does not ask for release from the burden, but rather for the strength to be able to bear it. Lead us in the way of those who do not err, the prophet prescribes to those who pray. This faithful condition is what brings most worthy to strive after according to all religious systems. Actually, the one who is faithful is also the most happy, is the one the prophet values most highly, and represents this as the only goal. And therefore, this religion is called Islam. Now, besides belief, there is something else that makes it equally possible for a person to yield to his fate. It is no longer faith, but knowledge. Knowledge of the divine laws. The one who knows no longer fulfills this law blindly but rather knowingly. The truly wise one is very near to the believer, but is superior to the believer. So he's making a distinction there. The mystery of iniquity, right? The mystery of unequalness. He believes that there's one man superior to another. And uh, this all involves submission to Islam. The prophet created a very wise institution to open the way to knowledge for everyone who truly seeks it. According to the system in the Quran, he provided explicit signs that point the way to knowledge and that have to reveal the law of creation to one who gains knowledge from within one's own being. The highest form of knowledge will always lead the wise to yield to divine providence without complaint. That is, to Islam through knowledge. In what follows, we will concern ourselves with this path. How the Prophet himself came into possession of this knowledge is recounted in the form of the following legend. Not far from Mecca, there lived at the time of Muhammad an aged hermit, Ben Chasi, who was teaching the Prophet. When the lesson was over, he gave him a metallic plate upon which were engraved formulas the meaning of which the then 30-year-old prophet had just learned. Soon thereafter, the hermit died. 
but Muhammad kept on teaching the secret of these formulas in the most intimate circles. Abu Bakr, the first caliph, inherited the plate and the knowledge, which only spread within a small circle after the death of the Prophet. This is the secret knowledge of the Oriental Freemasons. In order to ensure against the loss of the formulas, the Prophet distributed them throughout the Quran according to a precise key. The key is known, and the formulas are preserved in the Quran, such that the possibility remains for reconstructing the system at any time. The formulas are preserved in the so-called abbreviated letters. Three, the meaning of which is debated among Oriental Orientalists as well as different commentators. Some are of the opinion that these letters are signatures. Individual suras certainly originated under highly variable conditions. The prophet dictated some, others he recited while friends wrote them down. Still, others were recorded later from memory. When the suras were collected, the letters that indicated the originator of the sura would have remained, but now without their meaning. Some European scholars are of the view that these letters represent notes by the scribe. Thus, ALM is supposed to mean Amar Ali Muhammad. Muhammad, command me to write. Arabic commentators view these letters as holy abbreviations. Thus, ALM means Allah Latif Majid. God is good, or as another thinks, An Allahu, Alamu, I am the God who knows. For others, the letters are to be interpreted in a Kabbalistic sense. Certainly, all the surahs in which these letters occur contain definite indications that they have something special to say. So no, just notice here, we're, we're back to the very beginning of where I was talking about the secret Talmud and the Kabbalah is a Judaism. Well, no, no, it's in a Kabbalistic sense, you can interpret the Quran. And why? Why can you do that? Well, but that's because the word Kabbalah actually originates from Arabic. And it's the Arabic and the Babylonians who have actually instituted this whole Gnostic, mystic, satanic way of doing things. And it's by the, it's by the, the, the recombination of letters. And what do they actually mean? And it has a lot to do with vowels. And the reason why it has a lot to do with vowels... Go back to your second show where we described all of this. Right. And the reason why it has a lot to do with vowels is because these Semitic languages don't have vowels. Right. The vowels are implied. So you can take three different consonants and put them together, and you can create a, a multitude of different words from those three letters depending on the context and which vowels you were supposed to put in there so now the these occultists with their written writings that's just what they're doing they're playing with the letters they're playing with the definitions they're playing with with what is there and apparently there is some sort of mystic key or formula that these people know and while I don't understand the key as given by Baron von Sabatenorfen, I'm not going to go into the whole uh, definition of each and every single letter in the Arabic uh, alphabet and its occult meaning as he describes it. 
but it's in this book. He every single letter is addressed, what it really means, how to scramble it up, blah blah blah. I'm I'm gonna stick on the main points, but but this has a lot to do with scrambling up letters in order in order to create mystic experiences. All right. The Air, well, see, I'm gonna, he's gonna say it right here. The Arabic language, like all the Semitic languages, does not write the vowels. If one does not read these letters as such, but rather as words, they yield no meaning. For this reason, people have been scratching their heads over the meaning of these letters. But in actuality, these are the secret formulas concealed in the letters that someone who knows the truth can now easily read and pronounce. All of these formulas are compounds of the vowel A with one or several consonants. Now the secret doctrine shows that the surah in which the formula occurs specifies the number of days in the system the given formula is to be practiced. The table of the prophet appears on the next page. So that's what I left out. Um, I'm going to leave out the table of the prophet because it's 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 a bunch of goddamned mumbo jumbo. <clears throat> the formulas are present in 29 surahs. For those who do not know anything about astrology, it is noted that astrology knows of 28 mansions of the moon. Now the moon, why? What the, the symbol of the moon is the symbol of Islam, which amounts to the 29-day synodical rotation of the moon. The Persian mystic Mahmud Sebesteri, a Mel, Mel, a Mel Mevlevi dervish, says in the Gulshan Ras, and because cancer found itself related to the moon, it bound itself by head and tail to the moon through stations 28, goes its course. It positions itself in opposition to the sun's light. Then it shrivels up like a date stock as God ordained who is alone the one who wisely contemplates this correctly, as a perfect man understands it well. There is nothing vain about it. Seek only in the Quran. There you will find the plan. Whoever can't find it has weak insight. Astrologically, the zodiacal sign cancer is the house of the moon, which represents the soul. Here, the house is used for the human body. 28 stations that run the soul through the secret table of the prophet correspond to the path of the moon. Every station is equal to the time span in which a formula is exercised. So the, the formula of this is, um, to put it succinctly, I, as succinctly as I can, is this involves... Um, a certain kind of yoga, which involves mostly the hands. Um, it's about placing your hands in correct uh, positions as you recite certain um, surahs from the Quran according to the formula of the table of the prophet. And basically, as, as, as much as I can make out, it really reduces everything into this basic chant. So it, you just say the same thing over and over again 
and it only has a few bare variations, um, which seems to be the opposite of the 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 Jewish version where they were like trying to combine as many things together until they spun out had a mystical experience. These this this Islamic version seems to be trying to simplify it and invert it as that. Is it is it well, also an inversion? Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose so. It, it, but but that whole Jewish mysticism it all arrives from the Solomon's uh, the Solomon's the reign of Solomon. So, and that's when this whole paganism moved its way into jewish mystical thought in the first place well i get that's probably not even true they probably brought that crap with them from egypt for all i know anyway it it is it like like it was said it, it is it is the what what it, what was the word it used the, the 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 profane version the ah i forget the word it used for it, but it's like a really simple it's just it these people are to the point like you said in the beginning this is about faith and your fate and you just accept your fate no matter what right so that's what this is about it's 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 a really simplifying version of mysticism which is why i think it has taken over the occult generally speaking because it's so simple you don't have to be so super informed about everything to get this kind of experience you just have to be a barbarian like muhammad and just you know dress up in women's clothing and go sit in a cave and then you're good to go and molest children well that's later on you know you gotta oh, first okay. wear the and, well you got to murder right? like three thousand people too. yeah 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 and, and let all those demons enter you and then, then you're good to go then you can but you have to go into an underground cavern you know like the dark cultists <laughs> always do right in the you know yeah etc et guess who else was obsessed with caves who hitler oh really yeah he sent he sent uh, special teams of spelunkers all around Europe to explore in caves. Obsessed with caves. I wonder why. All right. So we're gonna go to the, we're gonna go to the next next part here. What he has to say about this uh, about this Sufi Freemason. This is the path the Dervish Order is accustomed to taking. This not only has to do with a general sort of knowledge, but they also attempt to acquire special powers by means of a special practice. However, for the most part, the dervishes are people who strive after higher knowledge and from whom the spiritual leaders of Islam will be drawn. If they pass the time of testing, which usually lasts 825 days, then they will receive higher initiation. If they are capable and if they have the desire, or on the other hand, they receive more specialized instruction in order to attain certain magical characteristics. If they show no further capabilities, they just remain in the lower grades of the order. This higher initiation is the exercise of Freemasonry. And it is, as we will see later, the work of the alchemists and the Rosicrucians. These exercises are characterized by the use of the three signs of recognition employed by modern Freemasons. 
sign, grip, and word. However, they are not signs of recognition, not mere symbols in any case, but rather magical operations designed to induct the finer radiation of primordial power to incorporate them into the body and thereby make the body more spiritual to give the balance of power to the spirit over the body. All right. So everyone knows, and well, I mean, anyone who's been into this whole Illuminati truth or movement for any time now, uh, you know, you're always looking for that special sign. Oh, is he pushing over the first knuckle in the handshake or is he pressing over the third knuckle in the handshake? Is he tickling the other man's palm while he does it? You know, these whole things that we, we think about when we're trying to identify Freemasons in the world. So what Baron von Sabatendorf is trying to tell us is that uh, these hand signs are actually they're, they're legitimate things. But instead of being simple signs of recognition, as modern Freemasons have been reduced to using them as, because in all honesty, I believe that the, the Freemasonic order in general is also like the Jews. They're a scapegoat. They've been associated with the Jews. They've been put hand in hand with the Jews. They, they put their signs up in every single town and say, oh, we have a Freemasonic lodge here. We're, we're ruling this town, right? And everyone's like, oh, Freemasons are here. The Freemasons are there. The Freemasons are everywhere. Ah. But what they did was in, in, in 1717, they associated the Freemasons with the Jews. So because it, it's a long-term con. So let's look at how long-term of a con that is. We're, we're talking about people who look hundreds of years into the future in their plan, people. Hundreds of years. Generations. It's like what we were talking about a couple of months ago about uh, the, uh, the multi-wrap lie. What, what did I call that? The, anyway, you know what I'm talking the, about. The double wrap. The double wrap. Right, the double wrap lie, and how many generations you go, and you can re you realize that if you use a generational marker, you can go many more uh, lies one inside another than just you know two, you know, by using that generational marker or some other that they establish. Right, and 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 it's like um, it's fallacies built on a fallacy, right? It, so. So, you know, so their, their goal is to keep people following the scapegoat for centuries and just repeating that same drum over and over and over thoughtlessly, like, you know, like NPCs, Jew, 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 Jew. And then that's all the thinking that they have to do. They don't have to verify citations. They don't have to understand what a Jew is. They don't have to know history. They don't have to read the Bible or the Quran or any of this other stuff. You know, it's a, it's a rather dramatic uh, shortcut to thinking. Well, and, I mean, it's not thinking. Well, no, I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Right. <laughs> it's not thinking. Uh, you know, I've, 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 I've fallen sucker for some other man's word before too, before properly studying out. The, the problem at hand you know it's not like i'm not guilty of it too folks so it's just you know at some point 
You gotta you gotta be responsible for your own education. Right now we have some occultist in there, Alpha Omega. That's that means the beginning and the end for those of you who don't know. Saying that I can't handle Jesus or truth because I put someone on timeout for making stupid comments, you know. And it's like, you know, they these people aren't living in truth. They're not interested in truth. All they're interested in is saying, Jew, 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 let's interrupt the discussion. Let's not think any deeper. We don't have to provide any citations or facts. And, uh, you know, that's the limit of our capacity to think is to say that the Jews are everything the Jews, you know, and this person has said all religions are started by Jews. That's, you know, I mean, that's really, okay, so let's let's think about, like, the Maya religion or Native American religion. It's, I mean, it's just, it's literally stupid. Right. Right. Like what? Like, okay. Egyptian religion, et cetera. You know, it's literally stupid. But then you have Alpha Omega saying that I can't handle Jesus, the truth, because I put that person on timeout for a statement that was false and literally stupid. Yeah, well, uh, you know, all power to you. It's it's your show. You put anyone you want on timeout. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the less... The less idiocy that we have to put up with, the better. I, I, I'm sorry, folks. Like, if you really think that you're, look, maybe some of you are really genuine and you really think that it's the Jews. Well, no, I, I'm sorry. It's it's not. It's um, it's way deeper than that. If if you can find so many blatant examples, then you're you're. These people are magicians. They're magicians, people. Magicians. Masters of illusion. Masters, masters of, of trickery. Illusion. So if you're looking at the cover story at what's up front, you haven't figured it out yet. That's what we keep saying. You're chasing the scapegoat. You know, it's it's a it's a, a straw man fall or no, a, a, a red herring fallacy. It's like, look over there. And so they keep chasing that and chasing it and chasing it and chasing it. And they can't go any deeper than the surface lie. You know, and we're trying to unpack all of these multi-levels of the lie so that people can understand and grasp, grasp this stuff at a deeper level. You know, so if they're caught at thinking at, you know, the level of a kindergartner, they're not going to be able to grasp the deeper stuff, you know, at the, you know, professorate level that we're describing here. So they got to get out of their... You know, their kindergarten, you know, five-year-old mindset. Yeah. It, like I was trying to describe it about with Shabtai's feet and, and that whole thing with the Sabbateans is what, what Islam found with the Sabbateans, in my opinion, is a group of people who are willing to call themselves Jews and be boogeymen. But, but they're really because well that that's is, that's perfectly said because that the the Quran requires that there be an evil nasty Jew Taki, and, uh, the Takia they have to use deception to trick non-believers you know and it's like I've tried to make this point so many times and let me just pull up my Bible software here so I can show this on screen Revelation 3 9. Those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. So, and let me, here it comes here. So, you know, that means if there are those who say they are Jews and are not, then why do we call them Jews? It's not that hard 
to figure out. So here we go. So Revelation 3.9, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them come and worship before thy feet and know that I have loved thee. So if they are not Jews, it's not, I'm not speaking rocket science here, folks. If they are not Jews, but do lie, if they are the scapegoat, if they are using Takia to trick you, then why is it that you people can't understand that they're not really Jews, that they're there to trick you? It's not to say that all Jews are innocent of any crimes or anything. It doesn't mean that I'm a Jewish Zionist sellout or an agent or an FBI agent or any of this dumb stuff. It means I'm trying to get you to think on a little bit deeper level to try to understand these concepts so that you can begin to realize that there's things going on here. You know, it's like most of the people that are called Jews are actually Gomorites, you know, like the Ashkenazi. They're not even real Jews. You know, the Sabbateans are not real Jews. The Jews follow the Torah, the, te- the Old Testament. This is why you have to read the Bible to understand the concepts, you know, and crack open the Talmud yourself so that you know what the legalese, the legal discussions there are actually about, so that you're not caught up into the stupid rhetoric of, oh, you know, the Talmud is the most evil book ever written, and it promotes pedophilia and blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, if you want a real religion that promotes all this stuff, it takes you about, you know, 30 seconds to find it in Islam. Exactly. All right, well... Let's get back to let's get back to this. So, like, okay, so now, 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 Baron von Sabatendorf is going to describe to us what what the 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 real hand signs uh, of Freemasonry mean. So, uh, the signs are three different positions of the hand known by the vowels that they depict. All right, again, so these these hand signs are actually they're a key. To understanding how to interpret the Semitic Arabic language so that you can get the occulted meaning, right? So the secret of which vowels to use in order to obtain the occulted meaning from the Quran are hidden in the hand signs of Freemasonry. So the first sign is the eye sign, and it's uh The right hand is in a fist, and from the fist, the index finger is extended straight out. The hand is put in such a position that the finger is directed straight upward into the heights so that the letter I is represented. So, how many Muslims do you see doing this all the time? Right? Pointing up with a fist. Okay? So, that's I. Two. The A sign. The hand is held in such a way that all the fingers lay in a flat plane. The thumb is now extended so that it forms an angle of 90 degrees, a right angle with the line of the index finger. So this, this, A, A, I, A. Number three, the O sign. One is to bend the fingers and the thumb of the angled hand in such a way that the tip of the thumb just touches the tip of the index finger. The thumb, index finger, and the part of the hand between these two digits form a circle. 
and O. You mean six six six? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Aaron asks, I'm just going to interject there. Aaron asks, uh, Todd, I listened to both your shows about three or four times. Great work. One thing I'm still unclear about is what is the Islamic connection to the Rosicrucians? We did cover that a little bit earlier, but do you want to reiterate that? She's she's really paying attention there. And uh, I appreciate her comments. They're not just, you know, uh, mindless. That's very good. So that's good. Yes. So the, the connection to the Rosicrucians. So we're, we're going to get into this. He's, he's going to describe it more in this book as we get further down why it's associated. We may have to make a part three of this or part no, four or whatever. No, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'm working through a book right now, which is um, uh, Secrets of the Rosary, um, which is Secrets of the Rosary is Rosicrucianism. It's, it is the Christian, the Christianized, form of this gnostic uh repetition of words and phrases and scrambling them up in different ways associated with different yogas both um normal stretching and sexual yogas so so yeah, actually, the next time I come on the show is where I want to I want to really make all those connections. But right now, I'm I'm I am sealing the deal on the fact that um, the Nazi impetus was driven by Islamic ideas, as I had insinuated in my last show. And the next time I come on, I I'm going to flesh out the whole Rosicrucian thing in full detail, but. For today, we're just going to, I'm going to introduce the fact that they're connected to the Rosicrucians. All right. So now, so now these are the hand signs that I've just, just described. Now, now we're going into the grips. So um, the grips are performed in proximity to different parts of the body. So one, the neck grip. And this to me is the most important one. And also to Baron von Spottendorf, it's the most important one. And what I would like for you to notice is that it is quite scary what this means. <clears throat> one places the angled hand on the neck in such a way that the thumb touches the right carteroid artery. The index finger lies on the larynx. And the other fingers are in a flat plane with the index finger. The angled hand is withdrawn sharply with index finger moving across the larynx until the hand is situated in a position equal in height to the right shoulder. Then it is allowed to drop down. So let me see if I can do this where you folks can see. So this is it, okay? Hand to throat. And then you drop it down. Now, what is that? That's, that's that's chopping off a head, folks. Right. Chopping off the head. Who's into chopping off heads? Islam is into chopping off heads. Okay. So the first sign is is of the grips is this. So yeah, you know, if, if I recall correctly, from when I lived in uh, Yugoslavia during the war with my ex, 
the Bosnian Muslim Hanjar, which was the Waffen-SS 13th Hanjar Division, they oh. would have contests uh, slicing the throats of Serbs, you know, and, like, the record was, like, 300 throats in a night. <clears throat> well. Or in an hour or something like that. Just crazy numbers, but... You know, these were mass murders. Yeah, still not as good as the 9,000 in a day that Muhammad managed. So anyway, so then... See, the you see here, this person is like, you know, when I interviewed Norman Finkelstein and Shlomo Sand, that was back when I penetrated the truth. But I seem to have done a 180 flip, and I don't go into the truth anymore. That's, uh, you know, if if you're incapable of of checking the primary citations and you only rely on second and third hand sources and what others tell you to think, you know, when we follow research and use the trivium and critical thinking, that's what it's about. So rather than appealing to what other people tell you to think, follow the primary citations and check our research yourself. I mean, that's why we give the citations and the research and do these shows so that you can check the research. If you have, the gray matter to do so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, uh, okay, that you know, this is you know, the the secret practices of Sufi Freemasons that I'm reading from. Okay, it's like 1916 book. It's from a guy who is like a legitimate who, who founded the the Thule Society, which founded Nazism, and he's a legitimate occultist and. And, and intelligence agent, and you know, uh, helped create the Nazi Party, and you know, but we're not investigating truth anymore because you know people are too invested in their stupid agendas to think through the facts. You know, it's like okay, well, if we if we don't repeat over and over Jew, 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 then that means we have to think a little bit harder to come up with another answer. <laughs> Oh God! And yeah, and, and here we're and here we're providing the actual research so that they can figure it out. But you know, it's like you know, if you're running on you know two and a half cylinders or whatever, you know, this might be a little deep for you. Well, that's all right. That it, that it's funny. That like we're okay, whatever, dude. I I haven't spent the past twenty years digging through old books trying to find intriguing occult information to bring to you. No, I I just been wasting all of my time and my and time, and and I'm just here to mislead you guys because you know trolls out there say so, and uh, you guys don't have the intellectual capacity to fact check our work and realizing and realize on your own that they're lying to you. So it's not that hard to piece together if you actually think. And do the work yourself and stop regurgitating dumb crap. Go ahead. Anyway, it, so it goes it goes through the different grips. So there's the neck grip, the chest grip. I showed you the neck grip. It's it's a beheading symbol. Okay, that's what it is. The rest of them, they're like are doing the same kind of mumbo jumbo only over your other organ crap. Not really that important. So. Um, So and they all they all associate they all associate what now? Oh, somebody you know rather than checking the work themselves like we were just discussing. Well, but what's the opinion of Doctor E. Michael Jones? 
I frankly don't care. <laughs> I, you know, and you know, and they don't even think. Well, wait a second. I've never fact checked E. Michael Jones or Heichel Moffman, Michael Hoffman, etc. Right? They've never even fact checked these people, but they want to know what these people think before they've even fact checked them. Talk about ad veracunium fallacy, appeal to false authority. You know, it's like okay. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm just going off here. Yeah, that's like, fine. So, you know, okay. So I, I, again, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the secrets of Freemasonry. Okay. Right now I'm telling you what their little hand signs mean. I'm telling you what the grips mean. I'm gonna, uh, I, I'm gonna tell you, he's gonna tell you it, what their keywords mean, not what they mean necessarily. We're gonna tell you what the keywords are. Then he's going to go down and he's going to tell us about the symbolism. So just just pay attention, guys. This this dude who's writing this book knows way more than freaking any one of us, including Jan and I, know about anything going on with this, okay? Just pay attention to what the man has. To, I'm not saying this. This is a man long dead. A, like a real occultist, okay? Like telling you this who who was behind the creation of the Nazi Party and with direct ties to Islam, and we've been saying for months that the Nazis and the Islamists have been working together, and they all use the same talking points, and, and connected to the Sabbateans. And if you guys are listening, uh, you know it's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, but Finkelstein wrote the Holocaust industry says the opposite. See. And never mind if this person fact-checked Finkelstein, but, you know, I mean, he's got to appeal to somebody else's authority. Did they, did they fact-check? And I had E. Michael Jones on, too, and, you know, and I don't believe, agree with a lot of E. Michael Jones stuff now. You know, it's like as we started digging into Islam and this stuff, we started realizing that a lot of their work is fake. That's why we've been presenting this information, so that you can check what are called primary citations, rather than appealing to second and third hand sources like E. Michael Jones, etc., or Dr. Norman Finkelstein, whom I interviewed like a decade ago. Those are second hand sources. Those are not primary sources. There is a huge difference between primary and secondary sources. So a secondary source, and, and you and I discussed this at the beginning of this series, a secondary source is citing someone who is talking about the subject. A primary source is looking at the books of the, of the topic itself and understanding what they say on their own. So all of these people are going to second and third hand sources. A third hand source would be someone who's talking about someone who's talking about the primary sources. So, you know, what you have to do, Terry is actually crack the books, look in the footnotes, and check them yourself. Do they check out? We're going through the primary citations into Islam and all of this stuff here so you can check them. And if, if, if E. Michael Jones or Norman Finkelstein et al. are not using the primary sources, and if they don't fact check out when you check them, then that means they are lying and they have been discredited, at least on those points. So, you know, this is what verifying research means. Rather than regurgitating thoughtlessly what other people tell you to think, you go to the primary source, you check the citation, you verify it in context and see if it's true or not. 
I know a lot of people have a hard time understanding what primary, secondary, third-hand, fourth-hand citations are, but that's, you know, the explanation in a nutshell. All right. Well, let's let's get back to what this guy is going to going to teach us here. So, <clears throat> the words of recognition are key, water, fire, level, black, white, red, rose, stone. As will be understood later, these words describe the entire work. Among the Oriental Masons, the work is called the science of the key, Ilm el Mithtaq, and the Masons themselves often refer to themselves as sons of the key or the Beni el Mim. At meetings, the oldest sheikh presides and a warden, a steward and a runner are appointed. The warden has to ensure that the meeting is conducted undisturbed. The steward takes care of the guests, supervises the servants, and at the conclusion of the gathering collects an offering that is divided between the warden and the servants. The runner supports the warden and the steward. The sheikh opens the session with the fire sign and the word alam, which the Beni El Mim actually used to indicate, let's begin. After the questions to the warden, the steward and the runner as to whether everything is in order, the sheikh says, my brothers, we are secure, we are provided for, and we are served. The sun is shining, let us open heaven. Brother runner, hast thou the key? Worthy master, I am the eye. Brother warden, hast thou the key? Worthy master, I am the A. Brother steward, hast thou the key? Worthy master, I am the O. My brothers, without the key, there is no knowledge. I am water, fire, and level. What are you? The warden answers, we are black, white, red, rose, and stone. Then the master, holy is our science. Let us acknowledge, there is no God but God, and Muhammad is the messenger of God. Now everyone present makes the star sign on their chests, whereupon the confession of faith is repeated simultaneously by all. So, now, now the star sign, right? Star sign. Where else do you know that from? It's, it's actually a Jewish nanu, blessing. Nanu. Say, no, no, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's from Star Trek, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, Spock, yeah. And they say it's Jewish, but it's not. That's not a Jewish sign, people. That's an Islamic sign. <clears throat> Whereupon the confession of faith is repeated sim simultaneously by all. So the confession of faith, that is, that is like one of the five pillars of Islam. They make the confession of faith. Then the presiding member goes on. God bless him and give him salvation. Hear the words of the Holy Surah. In the name of God, the most merciful, the gracious, Cham Osak. Therefore, God, the powerful, the wise, gives his revelation to you and those who were before you. The master recites the 42nd surah and concludes with the words, true are the words of the prophet. God bless him and give him salvation. Brother warning, brother warden, what are the sun and the moon? Allah wadin, that means God and soul or also religion and faith. Din is ambiguous and so the question is one of the main questions of the brotherhood. All those present repeat the answer of the warden and thereby complete the star sign. The master goes on to worship God and to make the faith great is always our effort. All present answer with alam, 
and now the subject of the evening is entered upon. After the conclusion of the official segment, a convivial meal usually takes place. The greatest discretion is required of the Beni El Mim. However, in order to forestall the idea that the present book is any sort of betrayal, it must be said that it has been written by command of the chiefs of the order. The reason is as follows. The so-called civilized world has been overcome by a great organization of infidels. Monstrous in extent and religious institutions have already been undermined by this to such a degree that they are not able to mount any unified resistance. In this emergency, the Islamic brothers remembered that the tradition says that in earlier times, the science was known in Europe. They sought and investigated and found in the writings of the Rosicrucians and the alchemists that these exemplified the science of the key perfectly. So there we go again. So that's, that's Baron von Sabatendorf confirming that they saw the Rosicrucians and the alchemists as their, as their spiritual counterpart. So the assignment, so Baron von Sabatendorf's assignment in writing this book is to make people aware of this and to show seekers the way. The requirements of the times cause any consideration against publication to vanish. May the truth of the process of victory begin and the clouds of darkness slowly but all the more surely disperse. Alam. So that, that Baron von Sabatendorf says himself in his book, no matter what the introduction had to say about him, that he's a pawn in essence. He's been commanded in a way to make it known the actual history of Freemasonry and alchemy and the Rosicrucians. So far, we have been introduced to the practice of Islamic Freemasonry. Now we must present evidence to show that the science of the key is actually the preparation of the philosopher's stone, the magnum opus, the mystery of the Rosicrucians and alchemists. Anyone knowledgeable about these writings will recognize the connections with ease. If they are not so stupid as to think that such a recognition is detrimental, that is the dogma or opinion that one already knows everything, like some people in the chat. I do not undertake to oppose such an opinion, for that would be a useless beginning. I console myself with a verse I once read somewhere. The philosopher Pythagoras conceived a new doctrine, and so he brought. Since he was, of course, still a heathen, a thousand sacrificial bulls to the gods. It is now no wonder if the oxen tremble as soon as they get wind of a new truth. Well, I see a lot of cattle trembling, a lot of goy boys trembling out there at a new truth. Yeah? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, excuse me. Rather than just checking the citations, though, we all sold out. Right. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. You know everything. You're good. Yeah. You You're don't fine. have to. You don't have to think. All you have to do is name call. Jews, sellout, is agent, FBI agent, uh, 
you know, uh, low cost denier. Lo, yeah. Uh, Sheck money uh, or wait, what do we, oh, yeah. we sold out for shekels? Uh, any stupid thing that you can think of to keep from actually thinking and having to fact check citations, you know, and, and by the way, just go to the, you know, the same sources spreading all of the neo-Nazi crap and then pretend that they're actually telling you the truth, you know, and, and never mind that they don't ever provide any citations. They just, you know, troll the entire Internet with their hate speech. And, you know, those are the legitimate sources. And we just have to beat those those drums repeatedly. Yep. You know, and folks, by the way, you know, the channel is demonetized. Please uh, support the show. Subscribe to Patreon. Hit the subscribe button below. And, uh, you know, please, if you can send uh, donations in the uh, uh, from the website or from uh, Patreon, etc., we greatly appreciate it. Uh, we are listener supported, always have been for uh, nearly 11 years now. Yeah, support the show, please. You know, there's a bunch of you in there. Uh, you know, please throw up some uh, donations. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, again, we can't do it without you. For those of you who actually follow the research and follow along and, and don't get caught up in what second and third hand sources tell you versus primaries, you know, we greatly appreciate your support. All right. Well, we're getting, we're getting to the end of this. We only got right. 15 minutes late. So, uh, left. Yeah, we do need uh, to right, wrap so, it up here pretty quickly. Yeah. Modern Freemasonry, which since the Constitution of 1717, which again I I like I would love if anyone knows if anyone knows how to get a hold of a 1717 Constitution of Freemasons, I would love to have it. Can't find it anywhere. <clears throat> which since the Constitution of 1717 was developed into worldwide Freemasonry, both is and is not the continuation of the old Freemasonry of the Middle Ages. It is so far as outward appearances are concerned, but as concerns the nature and content of the teaching, it has entirely abandoned the ways of ancient Freemasonry. It has placed itself on a purely humanistic basis and views salvation as a matter of external progress moving from the outside inward. Ancient Masonry views, or rather viewed, its assignment as the ennobling of the individual. It taught a system whereby the individual be being had to begin to become better, and it hoped that this person would then function like leavening in the mass of the people. This hope was justified as long as there remained a religious unity in the Western world. As soon as this unity began to crumble, the powers of the shadow started to win the game, and the emerging enlightenment gradually overwhelmed the old sources completely, such that the meanings of the symbols were forgotten. Modern masonry has no system of exercises such as ancient masonry did. The word jachin, which is imparted to the apprentice, signifies nothing to him other than that it is a sign of recognition of the first degree. However, that the two vowels I and A are contained in this world, word, and that these are the work of the first degree, has been forgotten. The column jachin is the upward-pointing index finger, just as still today, all minarets around the mosques are compared to index fingers. The column Boaz is the thumb. In the second degree, the apprentice is to work on the A and the O. He is to go from the point to the line, I, 
from the line through the compass, A, to a perfect circle, O. This is the meaning of the letter G, which means geometry of the Masonic second degree. And what does the third degree mean to the present day Mason? This apprentice receives the master word and the master grip, but does not know that the word must be made true by means of the grip, so that out of the discolored ashes, the full redness of the rose can be engendered. Only through the black shadow of death can the spirit attain its complete unfoldment. It is telling enough that most historians of Freemasonry reject Rosicrucianism and alchemy as aberrations, but no, it was precisely these that embodied ancient Freemasonry. Now, the, a lot of things were uh, alluded to in what I've just read to, but it, it, it is pointing again to the fact that this is, this is about language. It's about word. It's about logos, right? But it's about what do you do with logos? Is it your will to power? And you, if you know the words that the world is made of, you could do what you wish, or, <laughs> or are you trying do to do it? Know thou the wilt. Truth? Are you trying to do? You, do you want to know the truth, or do you want to do what you want? That's right. the question here. It's really. you know, and so when you get it, logos is truth versus Satanism is lies, and then Muhammad comes along and he says, you know. Forget lies and forget truth, the left-hand path, the right-hand path. Forget that. We're going to make it about will. We're going to take the agency to choose right or right or wrong, and we're going to make it about the agency or the will itself. And so then they're going to, you know, use that to do whatever they want, regardless of, you know. Right. Well, what they claim is because okay. So what? What you know the 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 Illuminati first called themselves the perfectibilists. Right. The, we're we're perfectible men. Well, that's the opposite of what the Messiah came to tell us was: you're lost. You're not perfect. You never will be. You can't be. So you know, accept my grace. Well, these men, they think they can be just like the Messiah. So they. And they think it's through their own willpower that they can perfect themselves, in essence. So I, I just got one last quote here, and it's going to lead into uh, what I want to talk about the next time, which is... Um, do, do you want to come back uh, uh, next week? Oh, I need more time than that. <laughs> no worries. Uh, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's summertime, and my business is like super busy right, right. now, so I Understood. need a little extra time. Like last time when I was on, I, I had like two months off. <laughs> uh, so I had a little extra time on my hands. Well, yeah, now, right it was now, stormy and nasty then, too. So Right, exactly. I'm a farmer, by the way, folks, so that, that's why. Uh, so, yeah, so this is going to lead into the, 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 what I want to do next, um, which is to, to, to follow. I followed, I followed the Islamic trail into Judaism through my past two things. I followed the trail. Shows, right. Yeah, shows. I followed the trail of Islam into to Nazism. Now what we're going to do in the next show is I'm going to follow the trail of Islam into Catholicism because I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure it's there. So with this final quote, at the very end of this book, 
which it describes like your your final your final goal in this mystical yoga that Baron von Savatendorf has been describing. Because there's a lot of st other stuff in this book I haven't read that goes into the details of the practice and the formulas. And but it's it would make a bad show to read all that crap. So in alchemistic literature, this net grip. So we're going back to the net grip. So the net grip, this is where we're going back. And it's through this net grip that you're going to attain your highest, your, your final position in, in, the, in the occult formulas and the occult experience as defined by Baron Monsvay. This net grip is referred to as the seal of Hermes or merely, merely as the seal or as the bath of Mary. The Venetian physician Laurentius Ventura writes, Stude ergo ad in... Ah, forget all that. <laughs> Crappy Latin. Therefore, concern yourself with finding this secret seal because without that mastery... Because without that, mastery cannot be attained. And there is a doubled method of practice. The first is by means of encircling the neck. On the seventh page of the previously mentioned work by Valentinius, we find a man who is holding a scale in his left hand and the right hand encompasses a bottle with the neck grip. The level of importance the translator places on this drawing can be seen in his polemic uh, concerning the seal or the bath of Mary. The expression comes from the Alexandrian alchemist. Likewise, notice that the degree of the first fire, which only extends to the putrefica putrefication, dissolution, and mortification of the body, is said to be the result of a certain bath of similarity, because the bath is a moderate thing, neither harsh in its warmth nor cold, but re rather relaxed in its warmth. So this bath of Mary, there's a, there's a whole level of things. First, you go into black, then you go into red, then you go into green. And then after the green, you come into this uh, uh, yellow bath of Mary where you have attained your gnosis, right? And I don't know why it's called the bath of Mary exactly, but this is what got me asking myself, well, why are these Islamic people interested in Mary? And why would a bath of Mary be even a thing that an Islamic person would talk about? Well, it comes to find out that, that Mary actually in, in, in Islam is considered a perfect woman, and there's only four of them. And so, uh, Muhammad says that he's going to rape her in the next world. Yeah, right. I, what, what isn't does she get to be like the main one of his? She, she gets to be virgins? one of his wives and he's going to do what he wants with her. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The perpetual virgin. Right. Mary. Oh, God. Wow. Sick. And, so anyway, th there it is. There's the curious tale of Baron von Sabatendorf. Uh, he's clearly Islamic. He clearly has a whole hell of a lot to do with uh, the racism, the, the, the ethnic racism and its popularization in the world. He had a lot to do with 
the rise of the German Workers' Party that ended up getting taken over by Hitler. Um, and it, th he mysteriously dies. This guy is, this guy should have you scratching your head. And his other books are crazy too, uh, but they're not as to the point as this one because he, he, did, he had a secret mission from these, the Islam. And I honestly believe that Nazi Germany was Islam's first serious attempt to take Europe again after they had failed. But that's after me. King that's... Jan of Poland pushed them all the way back and, and wiped them out. So exactly. But next time we're, we're going to get into that, how, how we, how this Gnostic Islamic strain found its way into, uh, into the Catholic church. Cause that's basically what Rosicrucianism is, is a uh, Gnostic version. Should of we, should we give them a little more hint there with the, what's the J word? Oh yeah. So the Jesuits, the Jesuits. So, yeah. <laughs> the, there's a, there's a real good chance. The Jesuits are uh, the Knights Templar come back to destroy the Catholic Church from the inside for having uh, had them cast out of the church. That's what I think. I think that... Um, and for having many of them killed as well, because they were right, so corrupt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, a ton of Templars escaped. A ton of them escaped. In fact, more of them escaped than got killed. And uh, you can actually find, you can trace where they ran away to. And funnily enough, um, one of them ends up being the second leader of the Jesuits. So, um, so Alexander just said uh, Nazi philosophy did heavily align with Islam. There was a scholar at the time that compared Hitler to Muhammad. Sorry, end up really late tonight. Uh, so, who that yeah, scholar uh, was was Carl Jung. So, yeah, Carl Jung. Yeah. So uh, you're exactly right. I'm glad that a few people are uh, catching on to that, even if you just jumped in late and we're just wrapping it up here. But, uh, you know, please support the show. Please subscribe. Uh, go to Patreon. The link is uh, uh, right there in the show description or go to logosmedia.com. We can use all the support we can get. Of course, like I said, the show is demonetized. We can uh, use the backup channel, but there's only like 1,700 subscribers on there, and a lot of people uh, miss the, you know, the show when we do it over there. So I don't know. We could probably do it over there just so people can, you know, help support the show during it. But uh, greatly appreciate all your support. Thanks for the participation. Those who, you know, participated honestly and and actually try to contribute intelligently during the uh, show in the chat. Thank you, Todd, for taking the time again to uh, put all of this research together. It's fascinating stuff. You know, beyond doubt, we know we now know that uh, you know Nazism uh, was an Islamic front. We we you know we've shown how uh, even the Kabbalah is Islamic, and you know it goes all the way back. You know, and for that matter, Gnostic Babylonian. But you know, so people need to start looking a little deeper rather than just at the scapegoat because if we don't figure out who the true enemy is, you know, we're going to be left, you know, attacking people and defaming people, etc. 
who aren't even you know guilty of what they're being charged of. And we need to read the Bible. We need to read the Old and New Testament. We need to read the Quran, the Hadith, the Talmud, all of these books. So that, you know, and these are the primary texts. If you want to know what the Quran says, you go and you read the Quran. And sure, you know, there are watered down English translations of it. So, you know, some of these websites compare three or four or five. I think there's nine English translations total, but look up the different translations and compare them and find out what these things actually say. Same with the Talmud, just like you would with the Bible. Like I use uh, eSword software when I study the Bible, which I had up a little bit ago. I'll show it here again. But, you know, on the top row here, I've got over 30 different Bibles installed here so that I can check each of the different translations and what they mean. And I can just click on compare here. And it shows me all of these passages from each of the different uh, translations. I prefer the KJV version, either the 1611 or the newer version. Uh, but the modern King James version is pretty good as well. But, uh, it, you know, you can go through and check these things. You can use uh, Strong's Concordance down here to look up what a word means. You know, so look up what the translation means, like here's the Greek, and then we can look up the definition in the Greek and find out what each of these words means and do some original research on it. But if, we, if we're not reading the Bible to know what the Bible says, we're not going to get what's going on. And, uh, you know, many people are just caught into a, and I fell for it before, caught into a, a dialectic that there's nothing of value in the Bible. You need to get over that. It actually really does explain all of the stuff going on today. And if you read it, you can see so much more than if you don't read it. And I think Todd would wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, you need to read everything. Yeah. You, you should read as much as possible and, and, um, and not just take one guy's, you know, book even though it may be very impressive with many, you know, footnotes and this and that, you know, just, you can't take just one guy's point of view. You got to, got to read everything and, and compare and contrast and, and have a, have a, have a mind that's pursuing truth that you just say, I want to know truth. Like how, how is it that we, we actually are and existing in this world and what's happening just, right. And, and, and not, not be too, too stuck on your point of view. So, you know, you're willing if, to change your mind. And if you want to know what the Jewish texts actually say versus all of the rumors spread by the KKK and neo-Nazis and GDL, etc., you can go to safaria.org, and this has a complete version of the Talmud. That, you know, they have the, uh, the so-called redacted texts are included in this. You can read the Midrash and Tanakh, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, Mishnah, etc. They've got a copy of the Kabbalah here. So you can go through and read these texts and know what they actually say. You can, uh, you know, check the actual text. You can see the, the Hebrew here. And if you use a Chrome browser, by the way, if you want to translate what that text says in Chrome browser, this is uh, Firefox, but in Chrome browser, you can just uh, right-click and click translate, and it will give you a translation right there if you can't read uh, Hebrew or whatever. So... You know, you can verify the translations there. And, you know, these books are translated for everybody to read on their own. It's not any, you know, mystery, but these are law books. 
And so once you grasp that they are law books, you know, you can understand that they're, you know, legalese like, oh, that's pretty loud. Um, you can understand that it's legalese going back and forth over these legal topics. And they go into just about every legal topic. So don't be afraid to think and read things on your own and, you know, study things. And, and just because you decide to fact check the Torah or the Talmud or the Quran doesn't mean you're a Jew or a Muslim or whatever, you know. That's just stupid people who like to name call just because you fact-checked their lies and proved them wrong. That's all it means. So with that, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, thanks for the support, folks. Have a great night. And uh, did you have anything else to add, Todd? Oh, no. Thanks Thanks for your time, and thanks for having me on the show, Jan. Support the show, people. Come on. It's not much like this out there. So. Let's keep it going. And you've listened to the show yourself for years, too. So thanks for that. And everybody, have a great night. Bye-bye.